Oh, praise God. He is so good. And uh, I prayed this week that, um, that you would be here. I really did. Um, because I didn't want to be here by myself. I knew Mark would be here. And um, we had to cancel the Christmas party. And uh, I was very sad about that. You know me and Christmas and my love for all things Christmas and fun. And uh, I was feeling sad yesterday about it. And if you didn't see on Facebook, the, you know, I felt like the Lord said, here, let's just do this. And so we're going we're gonna to do all kinds of crazy stuff in the weeks ahead. Wednesday night, um, if you don't have a festive outfit, get one. Because Wednesday night during church, we're gonna, or during supper, we're going to vote on the most festive outfit that we were going to give away last night at the party. And there's a $20 Huron Bucks for a man and one for a woman. And I have no idea how we're going to vote yet, but uh, I will by Wednesday. Uh, fast and pray for me. <laughs> but uh, do that. Come ready on Wednesday night dressed in that outfit. The candy cane or the, the M&M guest that we used to do this year is Hershey's Hugs and Kisses. And uh, that's going to be out there during supper on Wednesday night. And so you can vote on that. And it's going to be great. And of course, we had all these prizes to give away. And I'm like, uh, let's just give them away in church. And, you know, I'm, I was going to just pull names out of the basket like the connect cards and just give it away. And I'm, I'm going to do that in a second, but uh, I don't know if this is the Lord or my flesh, but uh, <clears throat> I'm going to give this to Ginny Apple because I, I pray that this tea and mug will warm her so that uh, she can be here next week. And uh, Fran and Velmer, you know, you guys are old and you live out of town and the world would think you're nuts for coming in here. And so we don't think you're nuts, but we're going to give you a, a can of nuts. And so... And so, because, you know, I want to be fair, at least for the chocolate-covered cherries, I'm going to pull, like, a Connect card out of here, and, and it's going to go to the Van Hookums. I don't know how many are in there, but hopefully enough for everybody. All right, let's go ahead and dismiss the kids. Um, they're going to meet their teacher out in the, the foyer area, and our kids, there's some prizes we're going to give them downstairs, and... It's going to be a grand time. And so um, I got to find my iPad here. A little, I didn't have my microphone on today. It's like the cold has frozen my brain. But uh, I'm excited about the word that God has put in my heart today. And uh, I believe you're here because you need, you need to hear it and you're ready to hear it. I don't know if you're here because you're stubborn and uh, the cold is not just gonna keep you home and you're just gonna come out, but stubbornness is good. Uh, it can be a redeeming quality. It can be something the Lord can redeem in our lives and use. Um, maybe you're just here because you don't think it's that cold outside and you're crazy. And that's a good quality to have too because if you're crazy, you, that's, what, that's what you're gonna need today because we're, we're finishing up our Advent series that I've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives, and I entitled this message, Unplugged and Overflowing. Unplugged and Overflowing. If you have not yet uh, signed up for the, the book um, for the Robert Moore series that we're gonna be beginning in January on Sunday mornings, uh, just so there's no confusion, I'm gonna be doing a series on Sunday morning based on that book, and so uh, it's obviously not gonna be the, the book word for word, it's gonna be uh, as the Holy Spirit directs me to preach the message of that book to you as a congregation and as he works that in our hearts. And so if you want to purchase one or one of the study guides that go with it, the study guides kind of take each of those topics and gives you other scripture verses to read and pray through. And so uh, if you want the study guide to kind of process through some of those things, uh, whether it be the area of pride or the area of our flesh uh, or area of unforgiveness or bitterness or any of those things that we work through in the area of freedom, uh, that's there for you. 
But this series on the Holy Spirit um, that we've gone through, as we've, just as a brief recap, um, we have a good father who wants to give the Spirit to his children. Okay, that's what we learned. Uh, we learned that the, the Holy Spirit came as our guaranteed hope. He's our earnest money. He's uh, our down payment, reminding us that God isn't finished with us. He's gonna finish the work that he started in our lives, and he's gonna bring that to pass. And uh, we're gonna overflow with hope because of his work. And last week, we talked about the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant, and how in Corinthians, Paul says the Old Covenant came with glory. And so if that covenant came with glory, how much more should the New Covenant come with glory and our glory? will ever increase you know it's not going to be like Moses where he went into the presence of God and then that glory faded because of the indwelling Holy Spirit the glory of God actually increases every day in our lives but it doesn't just happen automatically and the scripture that we ended with last week and we're going to kind of pick up with this week reminds us that you you know the spirit is not going to increase in our lives hope is not going to overflow in our lives these things aren't going to happen uh, just because we hope it does. You know, jokingly, this last week, uh, Andrea's not in the room, but she having trouble sleeping with the children and so on. Facebook, she joked, she got the Baby Wise book and, you know, she hasn't read it yet, but just having the book in the house has helped the baby to sleep and they've had just long stretches and joking, you know, that just having this book in the house and I, I, I resisted the temptation to say, you know, that's how a lot of Christians act. We just carry around our Bible and hope that by osmosis, things just happen in our lives, but it's not going to happen that way. You might want to bring this down quite a bit because we're getting a ring and I'm going to get way more excited than this um, because, because I just am. It's just a great, great message and uh, not from me, but from, from God. And so it's not just going to happen by osmosis. And that's what it says. Be careful how you live. You can't live like fools. You have to live like those who are wise. What does it mean? The biblically the wise versus the foolish are those that hear the word and put it into practice. Those are wise. So if we're hearing the word but we're not putting it into practice, no matter what we want to say, the Bible calls us fools. And one day our lives will crash because we're not building on, building on the right foundation. So we have to be like those who are wise. We have to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We have to not act thoughtlessly. We have to understand what the Lord wants us to do. So just carrying around my Bible, or just you know, hoping that this somehow is just gonna get in me just by carrying it, or that you know, just a, a couple, if I just put scripture on my wall. I mean, it's great that we have all these pictures in our house with scripture on, but if that's all we're getting, if we're not really pressing into what the Lord wants us to do, it's not just gonna happen for us. And so we have to make sure that we understand this. And then he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this really has nothing to do with alcohol as much as it does. To, just don't indulge in your flesh. I mean, Paul says this in Galatians. Don't use your freedom that you have in Christ to indulge in the flesh. I don't care if you think you can or cannot have alcoholic beverages. The bottom line is don't let that control you. I don't care if it's caffeine, I don't care if it's the flesh, I don't care if it's television, if it's Netflix, whatever it is, it's anything. Don't indulge in the flesh because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Paul says. Be continuously filled with the Spirit. Not one time, don't get the baptism in the Holy Spirit and check off your box and now you get to get into heaven or now at least you get an Assembly of God card you can carry around. I mean, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is great, that's the starting point. We are to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And so making sure that we're not acting thoughtlessly, but we're being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. So what's this mean? 
Well, as people who attend Assemblies of God Church, you should probably know, in Acts chapter 2, the, everyone who was present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That's this is what they were waiting for. Jesus said, wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come fill you with power. But also, it's odd, in John chapter 20, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think, well, he was just prophesying that one, one day in a few weeks, they would receive the Holy Spirit. Some people believe the Holy Spirit was in them. Here's what I get. Thomas says, Lord, I see and I believe. I believe. Now, here's the thing. You can't believe without the Holy Spirit. So how did he believe? In some level, the Holy Spirit was active in the lives of the disciples. I don't know. I don't want to try to uh, superimpose my will into the word, but here's what I know. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and after this, Peter says, this thing that you're seeing is for everyone who's far off, as many as the Lord God should call. And then a few chapters later, this same group of people, maybe not all of them, but at least those that are here in Acts 4 were present in Acts 2. And they're here, and they're, they're being persecuted. They were just put in prison, they were beaten, and they get out of prison, and they don't say, Lord, get our enemies. They say, Lord, hear their threats. They've threatened us. If we, stop, if we don't stop preaching, they're going to, to harm us. That was the threat. Okay? Now, you can post on Facebook what you want. You can sign petitions. You can do all those things. Or you can just trust that, the God, that God is going to help you. And you're going to cry out to him. And that's what they did. And so they're like, Lord, give us boldness to preach your word. Not loudness, not arrogance. Boldness to preach your word. Boldness isn't anything to do with volume. Boldness has everything to do with the power of the Spirit at work in our lives to overcome our fear. Boldness means I'm afraid, but I need to speak And so help me to do it. And it can be loud, it can be soft. It's better if it's not loud because people get irritated by that. And so we don't want to irritate people because of our flesh. If we irritate them because of the the truth that we're saying, that's one thing. We can't soften what we say, but we can tone it down so that we don't irritate them. Amen. You can say amen. It's okay. Unless you want me to yell, I can yell. And so, after this prayer, well then, and stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. It's not ridiculous. It's not, it's not fleshly. It's not uh, unspiritual to pray for the Lord to confirm his word with signs and wonders. I mean, I know that there are some kooky things that happen in the name of the Holy Spirit out there, but get it out of your head. It's not unspiritual to say, Lord, stretch out your hand to start healing people, to start doing miracles in our city. We want to see it, Lord. Not because we want, we, we're, we're hungry for some uh, goose pimply thing, but we want to see your glory displayed. We're sick of watching people in bondage to sickness. We're sick of watching people in bondage to darkness. We want to see deliverance happen. We want to see healing happen. That's not an unspiritual prayer. That's not fleshly. That's the spirit rising up within you. And if someone says, hey, stop playing like that, that's fleshly. Say, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of man. Not the person, but what they're saying. Now, please don't say it out loud to them. That won't go well. But in your mind, just say, I'm not going to believe that lie. I'm going to press through, and I'm going to receive what God has asked me to receive. So this same group that is praying on the day of Pentecost gets filled again and the place where they're shaking gets a meeting gets shaken and the Holy Spirit fills all of them and then they go out and preach the word of God with boldness 
Catch this. In the same way that the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2, he comes again in Acts chapter 4. Now, for the Holy Spirit to move and for revival to come, we don't need the building to shake. I just thought this week, I thought, how cool it would be if we were in here worshiping and the fire department showed up today because it's so cold outside and they would see flames shooting off the roof. And, but that's not the sign of revival. Don't miss this. The sign of revival is not if you fall, if you shake, if the building shakes, if there's a supernatural sign. The sign of revival is what happens next. They start preaching the word with boldness. The believers were united in heart and mind. How many of you know that would be a miracle? If the believers were united in heart and mind, I've been in the church long enough to know to get a group of people, 50 or more, united in heart and mind, it's going to take an act of God. Amen. And that's what happens. This is the overflow of the Holy Spirit. And everything they owned, they didn't treat it as their own. They shared everything they had. That's the result of revival. That's the result of being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't measure how full of the Spirit we are by how many prophetic words we give. We don't measure it by how many day, times a day we speak in tongues. We don't measure it by what we possess, how many verses we can memorize. What we measure the filling of the Spirit in our lives with is the overflow. The overflow. How He flows out of our lives. I've used this illustration before. Let me use it again. This cup is us. This water is the Holy Spirit, okay? The, the fullness of the Spirit in my life is not determined, you know, I'm not like half full, because here's the thing, you don't get half the Holy Spirit. I mean, be continuously filled with the Spirit. Why, does he leak out of us? I've actually heard people preach that he leaks out of us. What a, what a weird thing to say. What an unbiblical thing to say. Do you receive the Holy Spirit because of your works? No, by faith. Does God work miracles among you because of your good works? No, Paul says in Galatians, but because of your faith. He doesn't leak out of us, but he does get plugged up every once in a while, and we'll talk about that. And so we receive the Spirit, but we measure his result in our lives, not by how full the cup is, but by the overflow. That's why he says be continuously filled. Because there's more that has to overflow out of you. It's not about what you need. It's not about getting something for us. It's about the overflow that has to happen in our lives. Now, before we go on, let me just stop for a second and say this word is not like a word of condemnation saying to us that, you know, the Holy Spirit's not overflowing in our lives. We're such bad people. It's not for us to get introspective all of a sudden and look into our lives and see how dirty, rotten people we are and how plugged up we are. It's not about that. It's about understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to flow. He wants to be limitless. He wants to be boundless. We get all excited when there's a trickle of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we do something good for someone, you know? You know the feeling. I mean, you get all excited because you're like, you know, I overcame that temptation. Oh, oh yeah, you know, that, that, that card that the Lord asked me to write, I wrote it to that person. And, and so there's, a, there's this good, warm feeling, the trickle of the Holy Spirit coming out of our lives. You know that Jesus, when he was touched by the woman with the issue of blood, felt the power go out from him. He felt it. Okay. You and I feel it too. I mean, when we do something good for someone, you know the feeling. I mean, don't act like you don't know the feeling. You know it. You feel the, and we get excited about the trickle. Imagine what the overflow feels like. Okay, and so this, this word isn't for us to be condemned. This word is for us to say, you know what? 
There's so much more. That's why the Bible says in every circumstance. I'm not content that, you know, this, this trickle happened in all my good circumstances. What about the bad ones? How do I consider it all joy when I face trials of many kind? Well, you need overflow for that. I mean, I, I can't be satisfied that I've got like 15 good relationships. Look, look, Lord, look at all these good relationships. The Lord's like, well, what about your enemies? That's overflow. Love your enemies. I mean, anybody can love people that are good to them. That doesn't take much. We want overflow. We want to love our enemies. We want them to be impacted not by us, but by the Spirit in us, flowing out of us like a river. And so we want to be continuously filled with the Spirit. So how does the Bible relate to this overflow? I want to look at just a couple things about overflow, and then I want to look at a couple things about being unplugged, and I know what time it is, and we're going to get out of here on time, but who cares, because we've got to wait till at least 12, because there's a wind chill warning outside, so we, we want to make sure that it's safe to go home. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at what Paul says. What should I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. This is important. I will pray in the Spirit. That's the phrase he uses. And I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So in this context, we know when Paul says pray in the Spirit, he is talking about tongues, okay? Because he does not understand the tongues that he prays. We understand this from the context. That's what he's using. So later in the Scripture, when Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 6 tells the believers to pray in the Spirit, why would he mean anything other than what he's just said? I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, some of us get hung up on tongues. We don't want to be a part of tongues, but let me tell you, tongues is given to us for a reason, okay? It superimposes, it goes beyond our reason, our understanding. It's the overflow of the Spirit in our lives. I can pray in my understanding, but I can only go so far. If I want the Spirit to overflow, I have to open myself up to the working of the Holy Spirit and pray in the language that He provides so that there's overflow, and I need to do it on a regular basis. In Jude, Jude says, build yourself up in your holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how it happens. These aren't isolated passages. In the book of Acts, it's expected that believers will speak in other tongues. It's, about, it's expected that there's some kind of encounter. We see it in Jude. We see it in Ephesians chapter 6 that I referred to. In Romans, we looked at it last week, where the Holy Spirit prays through us with groanings, with utterances that don't make sense to us. But he prays for us. He intercedes for us. Okay, this is, this is important. This is overflow. In 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. He tells them, I sing in the Spirit, but I also sing in words I understand. It's not better, it's not more, it's just overflow. I let both of them happen in my life regularly because I want to build myself up in my faith. And the, whole, the, the enemy comes along and he wants to make us afraid. He wants to make us feel like, you know, that this is false doctrine or we're going we're gonna to go and be one of those kooky. Don't be a kooky. I don't want you to be a kooky. I don't want to be a kooky. But I want to overflow with the Spirit. And this is one area of our lives that we really got to get unplugged if we want the Spirit to flow out of our lives. It's not the only one, but it's one of them. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at these words, always be joyful. How many of you, your mom said, never use the word always? Right? I mean, that's a big word when you say always. Always be joyful. Never. <laughs> mom. 
He said, never, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. There's that word again, all circumstances, because this is God's will for you. You know, we're all concerned about what, what, what job is God's will for me? What marriage person is God's will for me? What's God's will for me? What's God's will for me? What's God, God's will for you is to be joyful always, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. And when we start getting that right, then we're going to know the other things. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these other things get added to you. But if you put these things first, you're going to mess it all up. Amen. At least I will. I don't know about you. And look at this. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit and do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Look at what he says. Don't stifle the work of the Holy Spirit. There's kooks. Don't stifle it. He corrected them in 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians were kooks. And Paul says, stop it. Stop it. You're in control of it. Don't quit blaming the Holy Spirit for your weirdness. Stop it. There's a genuine gift that needs to work. Here's what he says. Don't scoff at it. Hold on to what's good. Let go of what's bad. Okay, so we need to get over our fear of this and really just begin to study it biblically, seek it biblically, and let it overflow in our lives. Take baby steps, but take some steps. That's all I'm saying. So then the Bible says this. That's not the only result of the Spirit. That's what I believe is the gateway. That's a starting point. That, that helps these other things happen, okay? But praying in the Spirit alone isn't gonna help you any more than just walking around with your Bible. You still gotta put it into practice. Let joy overflow, okay? Anytime the Bible says that something is gonna happen in our lives, the only way it's gonna happen is through a work of the Holy Spirit because he's the only one that's here. The Father is in heaven, Okay, we pray to him, but Jesus is beside him. Jesus is not in my heart. The spirit is in my life, is in my, my flesh, my body. I don't know how it happens, but he's here because I accepted what Christ did to me. And now I pray because of what Jesus did to the father, empowered by the spirit. And so joy ought to overflow, not just trickle out of my life. It ought to overflow. I ought to have joy in hard times and in good times. Not just joy, but hope. I pray that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many of us, all we see are the problems that, that are there. There's so many problems. There's so, I see all the things wrong with that. I used to think that's my spiritual gift. I can look at something and tell you all that's wrong with it. That's not a spiritual gift. Critical is not a spiritual gift. Amen. And now, being able to see a problem and correct it could be a spiritual gift. That could be discernment or wisdom. But being negative about it and just... If you don't get a fix along with your criticalness, it's just criticalness. If it's the Spirit, He's not only going to point out what's wrong, He's going to show you how to fix it. That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, we should, have, we should overflow with possibility. When we look at people, we shouldn't see everything that's wrong with them. We should see the possibility in them. That's what God sees when he looks at you and me. And if all you see is all the negative stuff, get your eyes off yourself. And get them on him because he sees way more possibility in you than you do. Unless you're proud, then you see more and he has to correct that. 
But all of the fruit of, our, of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of it is in us and needs to flow out of us. And we can make excuses as to why it's not flowing out of us in these situations, or we can just say, God, this is what's possible. I mean, I could go to work tomorrow and overflow with hope. I could overflow with joy. I could overflow with love because it's in the Bible too. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you'll keep growing in understanding. I pray that your, the Lord will make your love for one another and all people grow and overflow, meaning other people should experience it. That's the point of overflow. I know sometimes we think the Spirit is overflowing in our lives. Test it. How do other people feel about you? That's the overflow. Now, you can't get hung up on other people's opinions because even if we're doing the right thing, people's opinions, yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned a phrase about opinions, but I won't share it in, in church. If you want to hear it, I'll tell you later. But there's, opinions don't matter, okay? But the majority of people will begin to see and understand that the Spirit is moving in your life, and the overflow will result. And the last one is thankfulness. Thankfulness ought to overflow in our lives. I mean, I know we got problems. I know we got difficulties, but we should be thankful for what the Lord has done. What has he done? It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. That ought to be enough. I don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, next week. I don't know. And I'm not going to be concerned about it anymore. I'm going to put it in this basket, and I'm going to thank God for what he's done. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit start telling me what I need to do about that stuff. I could sit and brainstorm it until I'm blue in the face, or I can just thank God for what he's done and let the Spirit start directing my life. That makes sense? The overflow. So what plugs up the overflow in our lives? There's a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, and it extends all the way into chapter 5, and we're not going to read all of it just for lack of time. But sometimes there are things in our lives that plug up the flowing of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we need to do. We need to see those things. We need to admit those things are there to God. We need to say, God, here, this is plugging up the overflow of the Spirit in my life. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to put it on someone else. I'm going to take full responsibility for it. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm still in right standing with you because my right standing with you is in faith by faith in Jesus. But I need you to come and maybe uh, send an extra flow of the Spirit to unplug this thing. Okay, but it's going to require obedience on our part. It's going to require us starting to take steps of faith to do or not do certain things. It's not just going to just be a, a special osmosis. I mean, I love times of worship. I love times in the Lord's presence. I love to soak in his presence. But when you get out of his, that soaking moment or you get up off the ground after you fall down, you've got to be obedient. You've got to be obedient. It's the, at the end of the day. I mean, the good feelings the Lord brings, I, I love them. I love to put on worship music and be in his presence. I'm in his presence. I want to be in his presence all the time, not just when music's playing. But we got to get out of that moment and start putting it into practice. So since you, Ephesians, have heard about Jesus and us and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. Now, he wouldn't tell you to do that if you don't have the power to do it by the spirit living in you. Today, you have the power to throw it off. Even if you fail, you still have the power to throw it off because it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your ability. It comes from the spirit within you, okay? So get over the condemnation, get over the guilt, and just say, I'm not gonna live there. Yes, I made a mistake. I acknowledge it. Lord, I, I did this. I shouldn't have done this. I should have let your spirit overflow in me. Now, get that plug, get this flowing, okay? I need some spiritual Drano 
to kind of get that out. Your former life, it's corrupted by lust and deception. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on the new nature. That's created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. You ever seen the funny Bob Newhart video that people go to him for counseling and they dump all their problems on him and you know what he says? Stop it. Stop it. I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant with counseling and what we're going through, but at the end of the day, counseling's only gonna work if we stop it. I mean, the counselor can show us the, the, path, the steps we need to take, but at the end of the day, we gotta step. They can't step for us. We gotta step, and we gotta step by faith. I, know, I can't wait for the feeling of step to come. I know the truth. I know the Spirit's living in me. I'm supposed to put off the old nature. I'm supposed to put on the new nature. Gonna step. And sometimes we step and fall down. Well, get up and keep moving in the power of the Spirit. Stop telling lies. Tell your neighbors the truth because we're all parts of one body. So if you tell someone a lie, you're lying to yourself because we're all parts of one body. I know that we, we'll get that later. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice, it, don't, anger, the feeling of anger is not the sin. It's letting it control you that's the sin, Okay. We can't control what comes up emotionally, but we can control what we do with it. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Anger gives the devil a foothold. If you're a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> this is great. I love this. This is Bob Newhart, 101 right here. <laughs> Instead, use your hands for good hard work and give generously to others in need. See, put off the old, put on the new. Don't use foul or abusive language, but let what you say be good and helpful. So the words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Don't plug him up by how you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. Okay, he's our guarantee, but don't get him plugged up. The overflow will be messed up in your life. And if you want this, because this is better than anything, when you start the feeling of overflow of the Spirit, that's better than drugs and alcohol. That's better than sex. That's better than whatever your addiction is. Okay? It's better than that. And so let the Spirit overflow our lives. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, forgiving one another, as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So let me give you a couple things he says. I'm going to give you just six things, and we're going to go through them quick. Don't panic. But write them down. I didn't even, I put the references up there, but I didn't put the scriptures up there because we don't have time to read them. But if you don't believe these things are in the Bible, look up the references later because, trust me, they're in there. What plugs up the spirit in our lives is laziness. Laziness and apathy. Ephesians 5, we read it earlier, make the most of every opportunity. Jeremiah 29 and Hebrews 11 say, diligently seek the Lord. If you diligently seek me, you will find me, declares the Lord. Not if you haphazardly seek me. And here's the thing about the grace of God. If we take baby steps, he meets us at baby steps. But don't be fooled. God doesn't want to just do a trickle in your life. Don't be fooled by that. Okay, don't just be all excited. Oh, you know, I'm so excited about the trickle. He wants to overflow. He gives us the trickle to draw us into overflow. Does that make sense? Don't get satisfied with the, the little bit. 
Keep pressing into more. Don't let laziness and apathy come in. The other one, unthankfulness. Romans chapter one, I said something really funny. Romans chapter one, I'll find out later what it is. Romans chapter one, verse 21, says that the whole problem with the world comes down to two things. We didn't acknowledge God and worship him, and we weren't thankful. That's it. Every sin in our lives, every problem in the world is we didn't worship God as God because worship is obedience. We didn't trust that he was the authority and what he says is best. And because of that and because of our ungratefulness or unthankfulness, everything else is, is happening. The problem with our world are those two things. Acknowledging God, worshiping him as God, and being thankful. The Bible says so much about complaining and being critical, warning us against those. Read 1 Corinthians 10, read Philippians chapter 2. It's there. Another thing that plugs it up, that plugs up the work of the Spirit, the overflow, is pride. We learned on on Wednesday nights that God opposes the proud. He literally plays on the opposing team of us when we let pride into our hearts. And he doesn't do that because he wants to tackle us and be mean. He does it because the enemy wants to kill and destroy us. And God's going to tackle us lightly to keep us from getting smothered by the enemy. That makes sense? The Lord detests the proud, Proverbs 16, 5. He detests the proud. So if there's pride plugging up the spirit in your life, you need to confess it. God, deal with pride in my life. Help me to get this out of me. Another one is unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us. Psalm 32, look at the words of David. David talks about the agony he was in when he hid his sin from God. I mean, here's the foolish thing. He knows. I mean, he knew it before you even did it because he saw what was in your heart. Remember we talked about the Lord seeing what's in our heart and he loved us anyway, put us in right standing with him, even knowing our hearts. And then we do those things and we're like, that wasn't me. Yes, it was. It was in our hearts. It's okay. Don't panic. Okay, don't go off the deep end of condemnation and guilt, but be serious, be sober about it. Don't be flippant with your sin, but go to the Lord. He knew it was there. He knew you were going to do that. And get it out, confess it, let him cleanse us from those things so that we are not dominated by our sinful nature, but we're dominated by the Spirit. The last two kind of go together, but maybe not. Divisiveness. Divisiveness plugs up the Spirit. Philippians chapter four, the Apostle Paul in this letter takes a minute to say two ladies in the church, hey, stop it. Stop disagreeing with each other. Come together in agreement. He doesn't choose sides. He doesn't say which one's right. And I'm guessing he has knowledge of it, what they're fighting about, but it doesn't matter. At this point, you're disrupting the spirit in the entire body. Stop it. And he even says to the elders, hey, stop it. I mean, as elders, you know what? We, we, would, well, we don't want to interfere. We don't want to make people mad at us. People might leave our church. Stop it. If people leave your church because you go to them and say, hey, stop fighting, then good. Oh, that's bad. I didn't just say that out loud. Yeah, I did. Because who wants to be in a church of 20,000 people plugged up by the, the, the moving of the Spirit can't go anywhere I'd rather be in a church of five with the Spirit flowing freely through our lives because when we have a problem with each other, we do what the Bible says and we go to each other and we work it out. And if we can't work it out, then we help have other people come and help us work it out. 
And we submit ourselves to that and we walk through it. Galatians 5, Paul says, stop biting and devouring each other. Stop it. You're going to destroy each other. Instead, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, make allowance for each other's faults. Hey, guess what? That person's fault you can't get over, you got some too. And they have to get over yours. Why won't you get over theirs? And God had to go over all of yours. So what's someone's little irritating little fault compared to that? That's good stuff. Some of you, the spirit will just flow out of you if you just stop being divisive and stop holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. This is, these are huge in our world today. Our world right now is offended by everything. I think it's, it's not a, an accident that we are gonna go through in a few weeks the bait of Satan on Wednesday nights by John Bevere again, that we're gonna deal with offenses in our lives. Okay, it's not by accident that Ginny Apple stood a few weeks ago in front of us and shared with us a word that God had given her in church about just letting go of petty offenses. I told her just this week, I said, you know what? I feel like that word was so prophetic and we didn't recognize it at the time, but I bet it put a bullseye on you too, so guard your heart. I told her that this week, guard your heart. Because, you know, the enemy's gonna come after you when you stand up and say, hey, the Lord told me I need to just let go of my offenses. <laughs> Bingo! I mean, don't think the enemy's going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah? He's going to come after you and give you every little reason to cling to that stuff. And she's not alone. We're all in that boat. Let go of those offenses. If we don't forgive others, Jesus says it twice, more than that, but there's two options. If we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. That ought to frighten us. Hebrews chapter 12 says, look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God and that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here's the lie of the enemy. If I'm bitter, but I don't tell anyone about it, it's okay. Because I, I didn't slander, I didn't gossip, I just kept it all to myself, you know? And my bitterness is okay. Let me ask you this. If you drink poison, but you don't tell anybody, Will it do anything to you? Yeah. So stop fooling yourself. Because here's what happens. We drink the poisonous root of bitterness. Well, I don't tell anybody about it. But it starts to skew the person I'm bitter towards. And so now everything they do, I don't see through God's eyes. I see through my bitterness eyes. I haven't told anybody. And if you think that not telling anybody isn't going to rub off spiritually on someone else, it's going to affect everybody. That's why... The writer of Hebrews says, deal with this stuff. Don't let this happen. So these are the things. I mean, these are what plug up. And here's what I want for my life and for your life and for our church. And I want it for this whole city. I don't care if people come to church here or not. I want this for everybody. Anybody who is a believer and who isn't even a believer yet, I want this to happen, but they gotta become a believer first. I want overflow. I wanna experience this in every circumstance and in every relationship. But again, it's not about condemnation because my right standing with God is by faith. So here's what we're gonna do. In just a minute, we're gonna pray and we're gonna repent together, okay? You're not gonna repent to other people, although the Bible does say confess your sins to one another. So if you feel led to do that later, I'll, I'll tell you when, you can do that later. Confess your sins, repent. We're gonna say, God, here, if there's plugs, and here's the thing. Maybe God gave you one thing. Maybe the whole list was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just repent of them, okay? Just say, God, I'm gonna acknowledge all of these things. They're plugging up my life, and I, I don't have a clue how to stop it. 
But you said to stop it, and I know you're going to give me power and grace today and to do this in every circumstance, and so I'm just going to admit it so I can get grace. <laughs> Isn't that, it's, it's really that easy. I'm going to admit it so I can receive grace, and then I'm going to step out in it. Then the worship team's going to come back, and we're going to take communion together. And Pastor John and I are going to serve it, and there's so few of us that it's going to be easy. Just We're going to be here and there. Just come get some while we're singing. And then we're going to take communion together. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to break up into groups. If you'll stay and just allow me a little latitude. I want men and with a, another guy, and I want ladies with another lady. And, uh, you know, if the Lord wants you to pray with your spouse, okay, but maybe do that one later. Okay, today I want you to, to release what you have. Remember Jesus said, <clears throat> give and it will be given to you. If you have a little bit and you're faithful with the little bit, what do you get? More. Stop making that about money. I mean, we have the spirit in us. We've learned in the, the frequency study that when I write an encouraging note to someone or I just say something to someone, I have learned so much. When I'm praying with someone and I start thinking good things about them, say it. <laughs> that's, that's prophecy to edify and build up. Man, I, the Lord has given you this gift and I just want to encourage that in you. Start prophesying over people. That's what we're going to do. I have prayed this week. I'm like, Lord, let this be so simple. Let people just do it. Let us do it. Not just you people, me people, all people. Let's just do it. And so what we're gonna do is after the communion, we're gonna get into groups of two, and if there's an odd number, three, and we're gonna pray for each other. We're just gonna pray. And if you need to confess something, confess it in that little group. Say, hey, I need you to pray for me. Pride is big in my life, I need you to pray for me. If you don't wanna confess anything, great. Just let them pray over you and bless you in the name of the Lord. And that's how we're gonna end, and then your hearts are gonna be strangely warm and you're gonna go home. That's how we're going to do it. So let's stand together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And we're going to start. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. As I was speaking today, as I was sharing the word with you, what did the Holy Spirit put his finger on? That's what you have to deal with. You don't have to get all introspective because when the word is preached or the word is read, the Holy Spirit will light it up in you. He'll say, hey, that's an area. You stop right there and you, you pray about that. Don't just read through the word in a year. Stop on stuff. When the Lord camps on something, even if you don't understand it, say, God, I need understanding. He might have put things in your heart that I didn't even mention today because this is not an exhaustive list of what plugs us up in the spirit. But these are some. And so I want you to bring those to mind. And as the worship team is playing, I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And we're just going to release those to the Lord. We're going to say them right down to him. We're just going to say, God, here it is. I'm going to confess pride. God, I'm going to confess lust. God, I'm going to confess anger. I'm going to confess bitterness. I'm going to confess unforgiveness. I'm going to release them to you. God, they're in my life. They don't have any place in my life. I'm your child. You have given me your spirit. I'm gonna throw off the old nature. I'm gonna put on the new nature. I've been created to be like God. I've been created as his son and daughter. I'm brand new. You've given me the power to walk this out. I'm not gonna make excuses. I'm not gonna blame anybody. I'm gonna walk in the overflow of the spirit. I'm gonna release it. And so Father, right now, we just begin to, to confess to you. God, we are broken. 
We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that purifies us and cleanses us. But God, we don't want to use this newfound freedom to indulge in our flesh. We don't want to keep biting and devouring one another as husbands and wives, as parents and children, as people in the body of Christ. We don't want to do that anymore. God, we want to do what your word says. We want to walk according to the spirit, not according to our flesh. I mean, why should we waste this power you've given to us? Forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for our our pride, forgive us for our unforgiveness, forgive us for our bitterness, forgive us for all of the things that plug up the Spirit in our lives. God, we admit them to you right now. Holy Spirit, forgive us for ways we've stifled you, ways that we have grieved you, ways that we have hurt you. We want you to flow unhindered in our lives. We are so grateful that you seal us, you remind us we are sons and daughters of God. You just, you, you bury our past. We're grateful for that, but God, we don't want to be satisfied with that. We want the overflow. We want in every circumstance, we want in every relationship for love and joy and hope and peace and goodness and faithfulness, self-control. We want it to flow out of us. God, when we're squeezed, we want you to flow out of us. So God, we give them to you. We cast these right now before you. God, help us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us grace to begin to walk these truths out, I pray, in Jesus' name. As the worship team begins to lead us, I'm gonna invite Pastor John to come. We're just gonna be here in the front, and as we sing together, just a, a new take on the version of the song, It Is Well. I just wanna encourage you to come, receive the elements, and then uh, we're gonna partake of them together.